no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, welcome to First and Pod. You know the drill. Every game, every team, every week coming to you after a surprisingly competitive and interesting and close Jaguars-Saints game. Uh, Andrew Filipponi is on paternity leave. I am Danny Parkins, but we only bring friends on this show. So for the next three episodes, he did one of our off-season episodes. Our buddy Mike Meltzer, he was Pony's year in Syracuse, a year ahead of me. Uh, worked in Houston for forever during the pandem- pandemic. Got his uh, second, passed the bar in his second state. He's a lawyer down in Houston. You still do work for Mad Dog Radio? And where, where do you do anything? Or have you completely I do. got out of the business? No, I, I'm still in the business. I'm absolutely still in the business. Yes. It, it's been a little tougher to get shifts during football season for, <laughs> you know, economics and schedule reasons, but I'm absolutely in. Yes, for sure. All right, good. <laughs> well, listen, eventually you're going to get smart and just use that big brain of yours and solve all the world's problems completely. We'll see. But <laughs> we appreciate you slumming it with oh, us. It's, it is it is great to chat with you. We don't talk enough, so I'm glad to do it in this format. Yeah, that's how I feel like with Pony. I'm like, we, I know. We, this, this is how we catch up. Um, there was so much in that game. There was so much. There was a lot. The the Moreau drop. Oh, my God. How do you face your teammates? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> that, I mean, it, it's right there. I mean, the, the play is there to be made. It was a, it was obviously a, it was a weird football game in the sense that what the first like two thirds up until the fourth quarter was pretty depressing, and it felt like the Jaguars were, were going to run away with it. And then the Saints turn it on; they reel off fifteen in a row, and then it turns into a highly competitive game. I thought Jacksonville had it with that Kirk catch and run, but that was an impressive drive. They obviously are trying to score with minimal time left. Yeah, just a brutal drop. I mean, I mean Carr was really bad for the majority of the game. Yes. And he's bit- bitching and moaning and like calling out players and showing <laughs> pain when he gets hit and just like honestly like coming across kind of petulant and then drives him right down and throws an absolute dime to Moreau, who I mean, you're not going to get an easier play. Then he has the predetermined uh ball on fourth down to Olave against the backup corner for for Jacksonville. So I thought Carr really saved face uh, with how he played at the end. They finally got Kirk involved. Uh, As you said, there's probably a hundred more football things, but I know you, and I'm assuming you're with me here. This might be the day that I come on board with the rest of the internet and admit that it's sad, but it's time for Al Michaels to hang it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, Danny. Danny, that... The Christian Kirk touchdown call, like I, he's a legend, Mi- miracle on ice. I mean, he's done every sport, and for such a long time. Like if we had this conversation three years ago, it would be flipped. It would be, can you believe that Al Michaels is this age and he's still completely on top of it? And now it seems like he has totally lost it in the last year and a half. And, and Mike, I was so in denial on this point. That like two weeks ago, it came up on the show in transition. And I was like, yeah, like he came across a little disinterested. He's a little smug, but I still like him on these games because his voice just sounds like big time football. Sure. He did not know that that was a touchdown, that the previous one was a touchdown. He's like confused on reviews and spots of the ball. Like there's, there is no enthusiasm or like situational awareness. I need to make enough money at a young enough age so I can retire. Yeah. Because if Al Michaels, legitimately one of the four greatest sportscasters of the last 50 years, can go out getting mocked, I need to retire before that could possibly happen to me. That's mortifying. It was one of my first thoughts after that Kirk touchdown call. You know, you and I have gotten a little older, but we don't know, thankfully, at this point, what it's like to get old to where you're like forgetting things or not seeing it. And if it happens, you kind of chalk it up to like, I just forgot memory, whatever. It's not a big deal. I wake up in the morning and something is sore, but that's okay. I'm watching Danny the replay of the Kirk touchdown, and I'm thinking to myself, 
under what angle, like, is there something I missed on the original play to where Al Michaels could have conceivably thought that he <laughs> stepped out on the one? Like, did he, like, lean the ball to the pylon or, like, did he go Did he go into the end zone towards the pylon? Is there some reason why he thought the one-yard line was in play? It was never in play. It was ne- it was never in play, and it but dude, like it it was sad. Like I I felt sad watching it. Like obviously, obviously, to be in your mid or your late seventies and making fifteen million a year and being a goat and a Hall of Famer, and all, it's it's a great way to go and to age and all of that. But Al, just just retire, Re- like retire before the next game. Let 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 Carissa Thompson do it. It's you got to be done. You have to. I, I felt tweet, Danny. I tweeted Willie Mays with the Mets with no explanation because I just wanted to throw something out there that if people understood they would get it, and that's what that was. Unfortunately, yeah. I I was. That it's was, not. It's it's not a good product. I don't think. Like I no. like Kirk Herbstreit, but he does not. And I feel bad saying this. He does not sound like the NFL and even Al, like I forget he did an interview with Richard Deitch or one of these people, like one of these media people after last season. And he talked about the criticism and how he just has to, you know, avoid it. And he sort of disagreed with it, but you and I are watching these games on Thursdays. He's not the same broadcaster that he was the last 40 years and he's 78 years old. Yeah. It's, it's really, and, and did you hear Herb street? Like they were talking at the end of the game about like, what his schedule was like he's flying to what to wherever game day is at Columbus yes and then he's flying yep. back south on Saturday to go call a game that isn't at the location for game day that's right because it, it's, it's a box game yeah too much work well I, I think I think Herbstreit can handle it it's just I think the combination of hit of people not being used to him on the NFL plus working with a guy who's a legend but who's clearly not on top of his game is probably not the ideal spot for him at this point. I you know for, for sure, but uh, you just, I'm sorry. It, it has to reduce how good you are at all of the jobs to be doing that many things with that much travel. But I just wonder Alex, like if you travel by private jet, which I never have in my life, how much that helps that dynamic significantly. I would think yeah. so. Sign- yes. Significantly. But I get it. Like he's basically doing like, almost three full-time jobs because the game day is a full-time job in a way calling the game on Saturday is a full-time job. And then this on Thursday, night's a full-time job. Yeah. And they are not directly related to each other. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. They're sort of related, but not exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough gig. Uh, all right, let's get to the games. Miami Philly, the most recent game of the year, a thousand storylines. What is the most interesting thing about Dolphins-Eagles Sunday night football to you? To me, the most interesting thing is the best team that Miami has played this season, they got blown They got blown out by with the Bills a couple of weeks ago. What do they look like against an Eagle team that clearly has not been the same team and Hurts has not been the same quarterback as last year? Do the, does Miami do on the road on Sunday night what they couldn't do in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago? That's the number one thing for me. So I, I agree. I mean, Miami's five wins are Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, Panthers, and four of those teams, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, Panthers, are among the six teams with Chicago and Arizona that have an argument to be the worst team in the NFL. No doubt. So, right? And then they beat the Chargers, who are average, and they beat them by two, and it was the opener. So are they a paper tiger? My gut tells me they are not. Like I, I think that their offense is spectacular. I think Philly's pass defense has been weak. And the thing with Philly, Mike, is we can almost not. It's not that bad, but we can almost say the same thing. Patriots, Vikings, Bucks, Washington, and the Rams are their five wins, and they just lost to the Jets. Like what? Of these of, of of these teams with ten the, the ten wins between them, who has the most impressive single win? I was gonna ask you the same thing, but it's interesting because at least Miami's wins, all of them have been maybe except for week two, a fairly impressive performance that Giants game as well. But like, you know, the Panthers, they were down by 14 and they came back, they hung 42 on them. The Broncos, they 
hung 70. That week one game against the Chargers was nip and tuck until the end. They made a comeback, arguably shouldn't have won. I look at Philadelphia's five wins, Danny. Which of those games is an impressive win? Like, regardless of the opponent, just how Philadelphia played in the game. I mean, I said on the pod that the Rams game was the one that felt the most like last year. Yeah. In that, you know, they they flew across the country. Cup was back. The Rams offense had been looking better. And they held them to 14 points and when were in control, like in a wire-to-wire spot. That would like be that, the one. That, that felt like – but, I mean, but not that's not that impressive of a win. Um, you know, so, I mean, if that, if that's their best win, I I think Miami's going to go into Philly and win. If, if Philly plays the way they did against the Jets, I I think so too. And I know this is not me breaking new ground, Danny, but if you look, obviously this game is very hard. Then Philadelphia, Philadelphia plays Washington on the road. And then you have the absolute murderer's row of a schedule that they face, which could very well end up in Dallas getting, or winning the NFC East. And I also thought with Hertz, I don't know how you felt, but it felt on that last drive against the Jets like he was looking around. It had been such a frustrating day. And he's, it just felt like he kind of gave in a little bit. It felt to me like he kind of gave in based on how frustrating it was and the pick to Tony Adams. Yeah, it was just super uncharacteristic for what everybody says about who he is. Exactly. You know, it, it's one it's one game. It's a moment, but it's something I felt that was noticeable. No, I agree. They, they've had two high scoring games really this year. The Philly has offensively. I wonder if they can if, if, if anyone can compete in a track meet with the Dolphins. But like I'm I'm rooting for us coming on the pod Sunday night after this game, like 42 38. Like I'm yeah. hoping that this is a big 12 game. Yeah, uh, this uh, and what is kind of a week uh, or kind of a weird schedule as we'll get to here with some of these games. Uh, I think the NFL could be saved by basically every single window having a marquee matchup. And this one is an excellent Sunday night game. I mean, this is, this is a tremendous, tremendous matchup. Yeah. It makes, I mean, it's obvious, obviously a possible Super Bowl preview. Yeah. Both, both of these fan bases absolutely believe they can be in the Super Bowl and win it. Quick question, Danny, for you on Miami, Uh, the way they're built, you know, two would be the MVP of the season ended today, but they're so high flying. McDaniel's a really good coach They're They basically, it feels like they've solved offense. But when I think of teams built this way, unless you're like the 99 Rams, do you worry about this lasting or being able to last for the next three and a half months? You know, we, we did something about like them peaking too early. I, I think it's, I think it's certainly possible, but Speed doesn't slump. When I when I watch them, they are noticeably faster than everybody. Yes. And Achan, you know, I don't think they're going to trade for a running back because they they came out and said basically the second they put him on IR that they think that they're going to get him back uh, in the four weeks that it'll be the minimum. Yeah. And then in the first game when he's on IR, Mostert has the monster game. Like I think if their big three, Waddle, Tyreek, and Tua. I think if they're healthy, they're just going to put up numbers. I, I, I'm betting on the Buffalo game being the aberration okay. uh, for, for, for them. Um, that, that's and I, I, and I know that I know a couple of smart gamblers who took Tyreek Hill at 75 to one to be MVP. Well, I know f- 15 of the last 16 have been quarterbacks. And I know he's the favorite for offensive player of the year, which is obviously much more likely. That's like a two horse race at this point with him and McCaffrey, who's got the touchdowns consecutive game streak going. But Tyreek Hill could shatter Calvin Johnson's single season receiving yards record yes. this year. So if that happens, he will get consideration. He'll get consideration. It's one of those things where I, he's not going to win MVP, but at 75 to one, that's tremendous value. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, on, on principle, most, most places now it's like 40 to one. Yeah. So. On principle, that's a good bet. Very I good agree. bet. All right. Let's start moving to these games here. Uh, Probably the clear second best game of the day. Baltimore, Detroit. There's been a trend this year where the team that gets, you know, appointed the darling of the NFL immediately uh, loses the next week. I find this game to be fascinating. Do you think Detroit survives as, you know, Dan Campbell has gotten coach of the year? 
uh, respect. They are five and one. People are talking about them as maybe being the, uh, the second best team in the NFC with San Francisco. Do you think Detroit survives this game against Baltimore? I say they do not. I, I'm still kind of gauging my trust factor with the Lions, and obviously they have done a great job going back to last November or so, the big win against the Packers last year in Week 18. That showed me something. They got off to a great start. The, the, the defense is much improved. We know Goff's playing a high level. They're doing this now without Montgomery. I think Gibbs is back in this game. I just think that Baltimore, like, they should be 6-0. and um, I realize that they won close against Cincinnati in Week 2, but those games against Indianapolis and Pittsburgh, I mean, they had absolutely no business losing those games. And I think this game being at home, I just, if the Lions win this game on the road, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, that would show me a lot. And I'll start to, I'm already taking them seriously when it comes to obviously winning the division. They should be a shoe in there, a general threat in the NFC. But if they win this game in Baltimore, then I'll start to seriously consider how they stack up against San Francisco or Philadelphia. Okay. I mean, I, listen, I'm already there. This is somewhat confirmation bias. I said before the opener that the opener was my Super Bowl pick, Chiefs-Lions. Like, I yep. loved how the Lions finished last year. I was trying not to just go chalk uh, in, in the NFC. I think they've got, when healthy, the best offensive line in football. Agreed. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher yet this year. Like, their defense is playing very well. They could have a top-five offense. You know, they've – they still haven't had everybody on the field together. And I know it's the NFL. Someone's always going to be hurt, but no one's out for a long period of time. Like when that offense gets, I'm on Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs and Laporta all playing at the same time with that line, with Ben Johnson calling the plays and Goff not turning the ball over. It feels like they could be a top two or three offense in the NFL right behind Miami. And they've been playing like a top 10 defense. Yes. So I just, I don't really see a weakness for them. And they've already gone to Arrowhead and one. And you said, you know, Baltimore could be undefeated. They definitely could. So could Detroit. It's an overtime loss in week two to Seattle coming off of the high of winning an Arrowhead to start the year. That game was 37-31. Easily the Lions could have won that game in regulation. So I think this is all also a fantastic matchup and if they hold Lamar and they frustrate them I just, Lamar has played like an MVP to me but he's been let down by his supporting cast so I, I think Detroit's Agreed. roster top to bottom is better I agree with that I think the roster is better for me for me with the Lions it's this uh it's not something tangible it's more just about my trust factor like when I think about them and I think about what the ceiling or the upside is going to be then you start to think about, okay, would I trust them in a playoff game against Philly or Dallas or San Francisco? And then I go to Dan Campbell as a coach in that kind of situation, Goff as a quarterback, which might be unfair because Campbell's done a nice job. Goff won an NFC championship game when he literally led the, Sa led the Rams down the field on the road against the Saints, like one of the hardest things that you can do. And yet I think a lot of people don't think of Jared Goff in that way. For me, it's a trust factor. Like, do I really trust the Detroit Lions, despite everything on paper, and as you described it, making sense? The quarterback, the offensive coordinator, all the weapons, Aaron Glenn is D.C., they've improved vastly on that side of the football. Do I fully trust them yet? I don't. Not yet. Chargers, Chiefs, massive division game. Is this the Justin Herbert signature game? Chiefs on upset alert. Are you a believer? Am I a believer in which part? Herbert as his? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I guess those two, like, if the Chargers pull off this upset, yeah. that would be a signature game for him coming off of arguably the worst game I've ever seen him have. Like, yes. You know what I mean? I feel like all of those things are related. Yes, I just triple-barreled question you. But do you believe the Chiefs should be on upset alert as a result of Herbert having, you know, his signature game? I do, but not for that reason. They should be on upset alert because the last, whatever it is, five or six times these teams have played, it has been very close, even though the Chiefs seem to win a lot of those games. The Chargers lose in, in strange fashion. But I think anybody would agree, even our good friend Nick Wright, that 
of teams that play Kansas City before they've been kind of playing with their food every single week, the Chargers, I think, play them the best, even when the Chargers aren't necessarily as good of a football team. Now, what works against you in this game is, Danny, all the numbers, like the Chargers are coming off of the short week, right? Yeah. And the Chiefs are coming off the extra rest last Thursday night. And I believe that Andy Reid is 27 and three when you when you give him a rest advantage of four days or more, as will be the case on Sunday. I expect the Chargers to fight hard. I expect this to be reasonably close. And I think Herbert bounces back. But because of that rest edge and how Reed is in this spot, I think it'll be another one of these. Kansas City is in close, but they will pull away. And the Chargers drop to two and four, which might kill them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. This is a it's a bigger game for the Chargers than the Chiefs. No doubt. And part of me, listen. The Chiefs are obviously better. I think the playing with your food thing is is a perfect analogy for it. Their defense is so good that it's it's a little weird that through a third of the season, the Chiefs' defense has been better than its offense. Yeah. With, with Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey. So if that's the case, and the line has been good and healthy, um, you just assume that they're going to turn it on. But they traded a future sixth round pick, like in a pick swap for Nicole Hardman. Did that move uh did that trade move the needle for you at all for Kansas City? <laughs> Here's why it did. Here's why it did. I don't oh, think it, it made them, I don't think it solved all the problems. Yeah. But it tells me that they're seeing the same thing that we're seeing. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's there's something missing on offense. I'm not saying that they're desperate, I'm not saying that they're panicking. But they're like, all right, this guy is fast. Our fast guy, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, have both been disappointing. He's fast. He knows the offense. Let's bring him back in here yep. and see if it works. So, and it's not much of a future investment, obviously. So I'm surprised. There's something, there's something wrong with the Chiefs. It's a desperation spot for the Chargers. I'll say it. Chargers go into Arrowhead and win. Okay. You think they just flat out win the game? I mean, listen, obviously, I don't believe it with my full heart, but I'm I'm going to be the last person on Justin Herbert Island of saying that but, that dude was special from day one and he's got special talent, but he seemingly hasn't gotten any better since he's been in the NFL. And I don't understand what happened last game. I don't believe that that inaccuracy was because his finger is hurt on his non-throwing hand. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what the hell that was. He needs to have a good game. This is as good a spot as any form to do it. Interesting. That was really the first time, Danny, that Herbert got any national criticism. And did you have the feeling kind of like people were criticizing him because there was the feeling of like, okay, well, we haven't really criticized Herbert at all the last three years. And now clearly he played poorly in that fourth quarter. So now we really have to do it. We really got to do it now. And it <laughs> might go a little overboard just because we hadn't done it before at all. I think that was, I think it was part of it. I think it was the Cowboys. I think it was an Island game. I, you know, I think it was, I think it was, it was a Monday, not a Sunday. So they also, it also like got its own day in the takeosphere. Yep. Like if that was Sunday night football and it blended in with all the other games on Sunday, but like, you know, the Thursday night game gets a ton of play on the Friday shows. The Monday night game gets a ton of play on the Tuesday shows. So I, I think there was a lot of things uh, that, that led to it, but I, I think he bounces back this week. I think that's going to be an awesome football game. Agreed. Bucks Falcons. Do you have any conviction on who is going to win this division? That is an excellent question. Do I have any conviction on who is going to win this division? No. I mean, if I if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Tampa because I think the defense raises the floor of that football team. But at this point, it's like Carolina's dead. Atlanta, I got a bet on a quarterback who has about a 50-50 shot of being benched every single week. And the Saints, we saw him on Thursday night. Like, that feels like... They're not terrible. They're just in this jumble of mediocrity. But I feel like Tampa's a little bit better. I think Tampa's a little better. I think, again, gun to my head. I'm not in love with Bowles as a coach. Baker obviously had a down game. They missed some big connections last week against the Lions that could have kept them in the game. I'll pick Tampa to win the division. Not a ton of confidence in it. 
I'm floored by Tampa this year. In what so, sense? Well, okay, in the in this sense. I thought that they were very live to trade away Levante David and Mike Evans. Yeah. And bench Baker Mayfield for Kyle Trask, who's a zero, and get in like the Drake May, Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We had, you know, we had you on, we had Nick on, we had Lefko on, we had all of our friends on in the offseason, and we did those drafts. Yep. And we did a, you know, uh, Super Bowl winner draft when Nick was on. It was the first draft. The drafts were his idea when Nick Wright from Fox Sports 1 and our buddy was on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the 32nd pick in the draft. Boy, I forgot about that. <laughs> dead, dead. Behind last. Arizona. <laughs> yeah Arizona behind Houston like they they were the dead nuts last pick in the draft yes and right now they are the dead nuts favorite to win the division and I don't know if they'll buy but like they are just playing even though they still can't run the football they were the worst rushing team in the NFL last year one of the worst this year that fundamental thing hurts them if they get a lead because no lead is safe because they can't just like run the four minute offense and ice out a game. But they are in a bad division, the team with the fewest flaws. So I begrudgingly have to pick Tampa Bay. I guess what we may have missed was I think we all realized that the, the, Roster is still pretty talented, right? You've got Evans, Godwin, worse on the offensive line. Uh, you have a lot of talent on defense with Vea and Barrett, David and Devin White, like the cornerbacks, Davis and Jamel Dean. You have Winfield. Like they still have a lot of the same guys who were on that team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, but I think there was this uncertainty with Baker Mayfield to where if he was the guy who, who played like he did in Carolina last season, then it could have played out exactly the way that you said it that you start trading off these pieces and you're in contention for a top three or top five pick. But the flip side is if you have all those pieces in place, while I don't love Bowles as a head coach, as a Jets fan, he is a really good defensive coordinator. So they're going to have a solid defense. And I think Baker last week, notwithstanding has been pretty solid this season. Is that fair to say? I mean, he's eighth in QBR yes. seven or three touchdown interception ratio. Like he's, he's done a pretty nice job. That, that's what I'm saying. Like coming in, it was like, Oh, maybe the worst coach quarterback combination in the NFL and a third of the way into the season. That is just a ludicrous preseason take that I don't think was that out there uh, for us he, to have before the year, but it's he, aged horribly. He has been better than Deshaun Watson has been. Correct. Yeah. It's, 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 a it's been, they don't get a ton of attention because they can't win the Super Bowl. They've got a low ceiling. It's not yep. a huge fan base. It's not a huge market. But from preseason expectations to where we are now, it's probably the Texans because of Stroud yep. and Tampa. I mean, it's a short, short list before you get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I I think you're right. I'm surprised I'm surprised that Baker because like you could have seen a scenario, Danny, where Baker goes to Carolina, then he gets let go, and you have that little resurgence, the win on national TV with the Rams. But like Baker Mayfield in December of 2022 was about equal odds to be on like college game day in three years as yes. compared to being a starting NFL quarterback. Yes. That's the surprising part of this. Yes, it is, it is, it is ridiculous. Uh, we got to keep moving or else we're going to shatter yes. Pony and I's uh, all-time <laughs> pod record here. <laughs> um, all right, Browns and Colts. The news of the week is that Anthony Richardson has elected to have season-ending shoulder surgery. If you were a Colts fan... How would you feel about what you saw from Anthony Richardson and that draft selection? I would feel, all right, on a scale of one to 10, I'd be about a seven and a half to 7.8 out of 10. And I wouldn't oh, be an wow. eight or a nine. Maybe that, I don't know if you consider that high or low, but it, on the field. I just, I just like that you don't even just go 7.5, 8, 8.5, that you give <laughs> me to the 10th of a degree. Of yeah, point. Tell Set, I am. Somewhere between a 7.5 and a 7.8. I love you, Mike Meltzer. Go on. I, I like how Richardson looked. I like the combination of Richardson and Steichen. So that's another thing in the feather of the Indianapolis Colts uh, cap that I like the coach-quarterback combination in that it seems like Steichen schematically is the right coach for that quarterback. 
Danny, this was a point of discussion here in Houston when the Texans were considering drafting quarterbacks at number two. One of the under-discussed stories about Anthony Richardson at Florida is not only was he highly inconsistent and erratic week to week, but that dude had a bunch of injuries. Like, he had a knee injury in college. He had a concussion. He got hurt celebrating at one point. He was not consistently healthy in college. And now you have the two injuries this season. And maybe it's it's not fair. It's not his fault. He gets hurt against the Texans. He's out. He comes back. AC, you know, shoulder, unfortunately done for the season. The durability has to be a question with this guy moving forward, especially because one of his main attributes is going to be his athleticism and his mobility and just the physicality of how he imposes, you know, his body on the game. I'd be completely terrified if I was a Colts fan. So you think I'm being too optimistic with that number? Well, if you said he gets 10 years of health, yes, I think he's going to be great. But I have absolutely no reason to believe that he's going to get 10 years of health. And so then it's just, are you going to get enough games and enough data to feel confident to give him the fifth-year option, to give him the second contract, that he can evolve as a passer when the athleticism wanes. Like, if he's the guy that misses games every year, it's just really tough. I said it the day they made the pick, when we did our draft reaction pod. Yep. Ballsy pick, but you had to love it. Because in the AFC, you have to go through Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and Lawrence and Deshaun and Rodgers and all of these like insane talents at the position, you you ha- you couldn't take a safe pick. And this guy, he looks like a superstar. Crazy poised, crazy athletic, crazy strong arm, crazy smart. Cool. I'm I'm in. Like that to me I like what I saw, I loved. But what I saw was like the preview for Top Gun Maverick. Like the movie <laughs> ended up being dope. But like, and the preview was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But imagine if you never got to see the movie. That's what I'd be worried about with the Colts fan. Like, are we only going to get to see the previews? Are we never going to get to actually sit down and watch this dude's career? But he looked really good. One thing that you said in the notes, though, and you just have a lot of insight into Deshaun Watson. What do you make of this injury situation? And the idea that he is like not wanting to play or people think that he's Derek Rosing it or whatever people are saying. It's surprising to me, uh, and not shocking, because obviously Deshaun has, to say the least, lost a lot of uh, fanfare the last couple of years for self-inflicted reasons. But I understand that there's this weird thing. Okay, so he apparently he is cleared to play by the doctors. That somehow got out like two weeks ago. I don't know how that got out, and he has not played since. But, Danny, you've watched Deshaun Watson closer even before I did. Like, this guy played, say what you will about Deshaun Watson, the human being. As a football player, as a quarterback, this guy played on a torn ACL in college at Clemson. He took a bus five years ago from Houston to Jacksonville to play in a football game because he had a punctured lung. And this they didn't want guy, him to fly. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't. He couldn't fly. This is somebody who has gone through a lot of pain to play on the football field. So I'm just surprised. Like I even heard, I'm not going to say who it was, but even, even today I'm driving to work today and I'm listening to somebody that you and I know who was basically like Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play football with this team. And I'm like, it doesn't correspond to his past career. And if he didn't want to play with this team, like what team would he want to play for? They have the best defense in the league. So I am with you. I am in full agreement. The counterpoint, though, Mike, is he's a different person. Maybe. Is that he was living a double life and he got a fully guaranteed contract. So what incentive is there for him to play? That's the I, devil. That's the other side of the argument. I get it. That, I, the, 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 the Deshaun Watson that you knew in Houston and that I – didn't know, but watched every snap of his college career because if anyone doesn't know, my, my wife went to Clemson. I remember we were in Mexico. He came in as a true freshman for Cole Stout, I think was his name, uh, the fifth-year senior, 
threw a pass against Georgia. I was like, who's that guy? Looked him up. I'm like, that dude's going to be amazing. Like literally watched every pass of his college career. And he's different. Is there a sense that because the contract's fully guaranteed that he has every incentive in the world to basically wait until he's 100.00% healthy? That, that's the, and, and, and yeah, that's the, and play or don't play, he gets paid. They can't cut him. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing though is with that, like maybe it, I'm not eliminating the possibility, but to me, it's like this feels, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm exaggerating, Danny, this to me feels like it's black and white. Like if you think Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Cleveland Browns, then like you, I don't know how you move forward with him as your quarterback. If that's what you actually think. And I'm not talking about salary cap ramifications. You can't cut them for a couple of years. I even, I even, I haven't even looked at over the cap or spot rack. But just if you think a guy is not playing when he can play at quarterback, how do you move forward with that guy? You, I mean, you don't. But I, I don't think that the Browns think this. I think that this is. I think that you are right. That he will play when healthy. That he is not healthy that they did him no favors by putting it out there that he's been medically cleared to play. Yes. And that because he is so hated for totally legitimate reasons that the sports take industrial complex is connecting some dots that do not necessarily connect. I yeah, think I- Deshaun Watson is going to be the quarterback of the Browns for the next few years for the dura- you know what I mean? For the duration of the contract. I think so too. Maybe not the duration because he has to start playing better at some point, but it is weird because he actually played his best game a few yeah. weeks ago on in the game that he got hurt. All right. So obviously we talk a ton of gambling on this. Uh, Rams and Steelers, their odds to win their respective or not their divisions, but to make the playoffs, just the make playoff odds are virtually identical. Plus 142 plus 148. So if you had to pick, which team is more likely to make the playoffs, Steelers or Rams? Rams, because I believe in the coach and the quarterback more. You want to talk about teams that we weren't sure about coming into the season. There was some chatter. I'm not going to categorize it, Danny, as overwhelming, but this idea that maybe the Rams are going to kind of completely reload or rebuild this season with some of their cap issues. That hasn't happened. Their point differential is plus 21, better than Seattle, better than a bunch of teams in the NFC. Uh, I think Stafford has looked pretty good, a little bit, a little bit better than I thought. And while Pittsburgh somehow, somehow is three and two, despite being outscored by 31 points in five football games, I just could see at some point like the roof caving in or the floor caving in with this whole Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett thing. So if I, if I have to pick one, like I think the AFC is a little bit more competitive anyway. But just on strength of head coach quarterback, I go Rams. So I do too. Like, I think the Rams are the better team, and I think the Rams are going to win this game. And so that will tilt it in the Rams' favor. Sure. But the Steelers' schedule is just much easier. Like, their toughest games the rest of the way, they've got Jacksonville at home. They got to go to Cleveland and Cincinnati. Division games, weird things happen. And then they're in Baltimore to end the season. I, it's just... I see your point, yeah. It's the, and, and then if you look at the Rams' schedule the rest of the way, they have an at Dallas. They have an at Baltimore. They have an at San Francisco. Like, the Rams' schedule is tougher, but I do think the Rams are better. So I give slight edge to the Rams, but I I, I get why the, the odds are so close. Yeah, I, I see your point. I mean, Pittsburgh, you look at the schedule and they have the I mean, they do play Arizona, they play the Patriots uh as well, and that's back to back. But I look at the Rams like you play the Giants, the Saints late, the Commanders, you know, who knows what situation they're gonna be in. One more with Arizona. I just I, I wanna see what it looks like with the Steelers. Like you look at these last couple of weeks and the Raiders, I think they should have won that game, but they were helped out by coaching, blown up by Houston. The Baltimore game, they had no business winning. It was like one of those games they won last December with Pickett doing wacky things at the end. I just, I don't know how sustainable that is. People hate the offensive coordinator. Uh, they like the quarterback. I know they get Deontay Johnson back. I just, I, I need to see more. I'm intrigued by this weirdness with the Steelers. And I just want to, 
see what these next two months look like at the quarterback position, because my suspicion as probably are yours, I just don't know about the ceiling with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, well, it's nice to have someone else who is uh, a rational observer of Kenny Pickett on this podcast <laughs> because Pony is not that. If I was Pittsburgh also, I would uh, I'd, I'd, I'd flip the, the carry percentage and give Jalen Warren uh, more yes. carries than, than Najee Harris. That's a great point. Yes, they, they need to start flipping that ratio because that, that's an area where they can get better offensively. That's just an easier internal decision to make. It, fe- it feels like a Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott yes. scenario. That's a good analogy. I, I like that. Na- Najee has not been as effective and Warren clearly just has way more juice. Yeah. Um, Bills, Patriots. You are a Jets fan. I can't imagine you have much love for Bill Belichick, but is any part of you sports sad watching Belichick go out like this I'm more just I'm more puzzled by this um I I have been wrong about this and I don't mind being wrong I mind being wrong about some things I'm surprised it's been this bad with Mac Jones because if you go year to year with the Patriots since Brady like I thought in 19 in 20 in like in 21 I I still thought the Patriots on a week-to-week basis were a very well-coached football team. And I thought Mac Jones coming out of Alabama, I didn't love him as a first-round pick because I thought the ceiling was just so low to take a quarterback like that. But if you compare the way he played two years ago to what's happening now, yes, I I am admittedly very surprised that a team coached by Bill Belichick could look this bad, Danny, and look this hopeless moving forward. I am very surprised by that. I gave them the title last week of uh, they're the least watchable team in the NFL. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, okay, Carolina might be worse than them, but at least you're, like, intrigued by Bryce Young. There is nothing enjoyable about watching this team, especially with Judon, who's one of the 10 best defensive players in football, out with injury. Uh, I do wonder if Belichick is going to just chase Shula's record and it's just going to be sad. And he's going to do it like six well, wins at six wins at a time. And he's going to coach until he's 80 just to get the record and then retire. Do you have a sense of what Bob Kraft's going to do after this season? No. I mean, I read the reporting like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it seems now like it is going to go in some direction of parting of ways. Like, oh, I don't so you- think... You, you I, think that's more likely to happen than Belichick back in New England next season? I do. Okay. I think it's I, just recently crossed. Like, off the I, top of my head, I, I know this is unrelated directly to New England, but if Belichick was a coaching free agent, I feel like him ending up with either the Chargers or Washington, like, I feel like he would get his pick of those two jobs for different reasons. Yeah. Dep- but, but I mean, listen, if I was him, I'd much rather have the Chargers job to have Herbert. Agreed. Uh, even though it's a much tougher path, just like having to go through Mahomes, obviously. Uh, but I think he would he would be f- a fool to not take to not take the quarterback. And I don't know what it would be with like draft pick compensation. I just can't imagine there's going to be a, a headline out there that says Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick. I lean the same way, and part of it is that like. If you fire a coach, I, I understand that we're all kind of renting the jobs that we have. Like nothing's forever unless until unless you produce every single day, every single week. But there's just something about that headline and the idea that like if you fire a coach who won six Super Bowls, I know I'm biased in saying this as a Jets fan, but it's like you don't deserve to win ever if you do something like that. Like you give me someone who wins six Super Bowls. I know it's easy for me to say this or for you to have someone in Chicago win six. They could win five games for the next 30 years. Who cares? I'll I'll watch some other teams and enjoy them. Like I'll take the six. <laughs> Complete agreement. It's like, it's like Packers fans being like, oh, we only got one Super Bowl with Rodgers. And, you know, you don't know how hard it is to lose in the NFC Championship game. I'd kill to be in the NFC Championship game. Yes. Like, I would love that kind of pain. All right, speaking of the Bears, Bears and Raiders. We'll do a Raiders thing, too, within this. Oh, man. But... This is the Danny Parkins special right here, this game. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. If you were me, how would you handle the prospect like of Tyson Bajant being good? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great question because, well, do you want him to be good? 
So I got killed today by my showmates and the text yes. line because I was like, listen, Tyson Bajant is an undeniably great story. We had him on in training camp. Mm-hmm. I like him. Came D2 out of nowhere. Record setter. Like it's great athlete. All of it. But I don't want him to win because I want the Bears to lose so that they get the best draft pick. Yes. And I don't want any possibility of being fooled by, ah, well, he's smart. He gets the ball out quick. He can execute the offense. We just need a game manager in there and got to build the roster around him. Let's go the Brock Purdy route and use our draft picks on, you know, f- try to find our Trent Williams and 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 our and our, our Debo Samuel like yeah or our Nick Bosa like no that's the exception you you need if you want to win for a decade you need to be great at quarterback and Basically. so I I just I I fear him being competent enough to fool people into thinking that he can be good that's what I fear it seems to me Danny from the outside that. Any game the Chicago Bears play in 2023 without Justin Fields is really a useless football game, right? Just in terms of the long-term future of the franchise, because the whole thing going into this season was, okay, by January 2024, we are going to know one way or the other where to go at quarterback. And so far, it's trending in the we are moving on somewhere else direction. But now it's like, okay, now it's a game where Fields is out, dislocated thumb, you're only a two and a half point dog. You're playing this rookie backup quarterback. I wouldn't want to win either because like the only way Tyson Bajan is the quarterback of the bears next season would be if he plays just unbelievable football football for the next couple of months, which just seems highly unlikely. So yeah, I, I'm with, then, I'm, I think I'm with you entirely, but like if, and if he does, is it real? Like I, and I, I don't know. And I'm, well, let me, let me just, ask you, let me, let me ask you this. If he goes out there, just hypothetically, and he throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Like, do you just, I mean, I guess you could just do one of those things where you just keep starting him until Fields gets like 100% healthy. But like, if he does that, then he just, is he just the starting quarterback for a little bit? <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm, yes. It's going to get really weird yeah. around here. And here's the thing, Mike, people believe he's going to be great. Wait, really? Who are yes. these people? Bears fans. They're what percentage of them are thinking that this guy's going to be good, <laughs> dude? A, a a sizable, notable. He's. I mean, listen, the guy. So his college coach came on the show today and said that he that he reminds him of Drew Brees. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. he had transfer. He had he had offers from West Virginia and Maryland to transfer okay. out of Shepherd. Turned him down. Said he only would have left Shepard for like a Notre Dame or an LSU. No one ever had more passing yards, touchdown passes, or total touchdowns in D2 than this guy. He's crazy productive. He's smart. He dominates these press conferences. He's got a quick release. Like, I don't think he's going to look bad. But what is his ceiling? And so like, literally literally today, I'm like, who just comes out of nowhere? And he's like, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner. like. That's we are. I am in yeah. a world where people are arguing exceptions instead of rules, and it terrifies me. Um, I know we're going crazy long here, but I did like your Devontae Adams point that I'd like yeah. you to make right now. I'll make it real quick. I remember I was on Sirius XM the night that this trade happened a year and a half ago, and my initial reaction was, How is this going to work out? Yeah, Devontae Adams is a great player, he is one of the five best receivers in football, he's an elite route runner, catch the whole thing, but. You're, you're at that time pairing up with Derek Carr. What the hell is the upside with this football team in that division? And now it's a new quarterback, but it's basically a different version of the same quarterback. And Devontae Adams is upset this week because of some combination of production and really them not winning. But my thing is, what did he expect? Like, what, this, this is not a well-run franchise. This is essentially a useless head coach uh, who is mediocre at best. I think they're kind of floundering in mediocrity. I don't know what Devontae Adams expected leaving Green Bay. This is what I anticipated happening when the trade happened a year and a half ago. Correct. I will say that any criticism that he's getting for these comments is completely unfounded. Because what he said was he's like, listen, I shouldn't, this isn't about us winning or losing a game. 
They barely beat the Patriots, who might be the worst team in the NFL. He's like, I didn't come here to just win by a little bit against a bad team. I want to play at a high level. And for us to play at a high level, our offense needs to be a lot better. And the only way for our offense to be a lot better is for me to be a lot more involved because I'm that dude. So he's basically saying, like, we should not be settling for four-point wins over the Patriots with our offense pumping three out of four drives. Like, he is holding them to a championship standard. The problem is, is they're not a championship caliber organization. That's the thing. Yes. I, I think, I think he's a winner. Like if he that's is. a thing, he's a winning football player and he's a top notch pro. I just, I, I echo everything you said. If that's what he wants, he is playing for the wrong franchise. Correct. With the wrong and coach, he, wrong owner. He partly orchestrated it. Yes, so, exactly. And I feel a little, a little bad internally saying that because he is an excellent player, but when you leave a situation like Green Bay for a situation like this, this is what can happen. Yeah, this is like what, what you get. Yes. What, what get. What's, what's happened with Tyreek Hill in Miami is, I think, in the history of these things, a pretty rare thing to leave a guy like Mahomes and still be competing at a very high level somewhere else. Yes, completely agree. Uh, Arizona and Seattle. You see any way that uh, Arizona keeps this game close? I'd be surprised. Now, I will say they... They played they played pretty decently last week, at least for a while against the Rams before things kind of faded away entirely in the second half. But I think Seattle, with how close they came, they failed in the red zone a million times. Gino was bad in the red zone. This feels like a get-right game for Seattle. That's how I look at this. Arizona, I think you mentioned it on the podcast on Sunday, that this kind of feels like what we thought they were heading into the season is now turning into reality. They're going to fight. They're going to compete hard. I think it's a get-right game for Seattle. What does intrigue me for Arizona a little bit is, you know, activating Kyler Murray, and are they going to actually play him at some point this season? Because that's not just a who gives us the best chance to win on Sundays. That's a whole organizational decision about draft picks, quarterback, Kyler Murray, the contract, the cap, a trade, all of that. Why would they activate him if they're not going to play him? Well, people have had the theory, like I'm not, I don't know what I think yet, but there's a theory that if they are bad enough and they're just going to end up with one of the top three picks, that why risk having Kyler Murray on the field in November and December, give you a better chance to win. And what if he gets hurt again? He's got more guaranteed money left in the contract. Yeah, no, I I get that. I'm just saying once they activated him into his like, you know, window to return, which is, I think, 21 days. So, you know, he's got three games basically to be put on the roster. I just assumed if they were going to not do that, they would have not activated him. They'd be like, ah, setback from the injury. And they would have hid behind that and, and the whole thing. So once they did that, I expected him to come back. Seattle's defense has been very inconsistent. I don't think that they're very good. Uh, but I think that Arizona, I think the wheels have fallen off. Like I, I, I think that Dobbs is a nice guy and a smart guy, but not a very good quarterback. And they just simply don't have enough talent. Uh, I think Seattle's offense is excellent. So I think that this game gets ugly pretty fast. I'll go shy of excellent, but we're on the same page that I'd be really, really surprised if we're talking about a Cardinals win on Sunday night. Giants commanders. I said the commanders were going to be the seventh seed in the NFC. Before the year, uh, not looking great. They're almost a three to one dog to make the playoffs. Do you? Uh, I would assume you would agree this is a must win for the Commanders if they've got any shot. Yeah, absolutely. For them to have any shot of the postseason, they got to get them. They got to get the fourth win. Got to get to four and three. Uh, they still have, obviously, including this one, two more with the Giants. But you know that you want to talk about a team, Danny, that has a tough schedule. Like minus New England, basically every team they play is either pretty decent or really, really good. So yeah, they're Washington, in big trouble. Yeah, I, I think I think they're in trouble despite the win against the Falcons. That three-game losing streak probably kills them. Yeah, I think I think so too. Uh, the schedule is, at, I mean, it's after this Giants game, it's Philly, then New England, but then in Seattle, uh, Giants again, Dallas, Miami, at the Rams, at the Jets, Niners, Cowboys. Brutal they, finish. Brutal yeah. finish. Yeah, they're 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 probably drawing dead. Um, I don't get why their defensive isn't better. I don't get why their defensive line with four first round picks isn't better with Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera 
coaching them. Like they they invested so much ever like building the trenches, building the trenches, defensive head mm-hmm. coach, all that stuff. And it's just it's not been a difference making unit uh, for them with any degree of consistency. I feel the same way. They they have a lot of first round picks on defense, not just on the defensive line, but you know, and and they have weapons like that. That's the other part. And now I know Howell has been better than some people thought, but like McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson needs to get involved more. Like they have Dotson's legit- been brutal. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I like I really, really, really liked him out of Penn State. I yeah. really like that guy. That's been disappointing. I, I don't think they're well coached. I do not oh. think that they're not a well coached football team from from the head coaching perspective. But, and I think that kind of colors everything as sort of a domino effect down the line, because I do think there's more talent. I think that a superior coach could maximize that team, even yeah. with the quarterback and, having some limitations at some point. And we'll see if that ends up being Eric Bieniemy. Uh, all right, Packers and Broncos. Aaron Jones is back. Multiple players on the Packers called Aaron Jones the best player on the Packers, which raised my eyebrows a little bit uh, this week. Do you think this is potentially an audition for Aaron Jones to return from injury to immediately be traded away in a running back market that people seem to think could be active? That would surprise me because it doesn't seem like the kind of thing the Packers would do. I, I think they're going to try to go through the entire season, give – Jordan Love as much help as humanly possible and then reevaluate things in January. That's I'd be very surprised. They gave Jones an extension. I think when they've been at their best the last three to four years with Rodgers is when Aaron Jones has been playing very well. Yeah, if he came back, played well, they traded him, that would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I asked the question. I don't think it's more likely than not, but uh I mean, we talked about Jonathan Taylor getting traded, then they signed him. We've talked about Saquon being traded to, you know, Baltimore. I I suppose that's still possible. Um, I just, it's hard to predict a person to get traded in the NFL. There aren't that many trades, but the McCaffrey thing worked out so well. And running back just, it feels like the easiest position uh, where you can join a team midstream and, and make an impact that if Green Bay uh loses and drops to two and four coming out of their bye against Denver who's awful then they just have one more game before the trade deadline against Minnesota at home like what good it's like a it's like a good closer on a bad baseball team sure what's the point what's I the think- what's the point of having a good expensive running back on a bad football team because they're going to say the point of it is that he elevates the offense enough and reduces the load that Jordan Love has to, t- has to take on to where it gives them the best chance to evaluate what Jordan Love is and is not. I, I'm I'm convinced that's the way Brian Gutekunds and the Packers will feel about that question. That's fair. I'd be really surprised if they traded him. But it's, it's right. a fair thought. What what makes the Broncos an interesting team to you? I'm just fast. I just quick rant on this. Like this was one of the model franchises in football for like a 40 year span. I mean, if you go beyond like, you know, New England, San Francisco, Dallas, like teams that have won recently, Kansas City. This is an organization that won a ton from the mid 80s until the end of Peyton Manning. And now they're cycling through coaches. And I just I follow enough people on Denver on my Twitter timeline that people are just so angry every single year. And it's like, new coaches, new quarterbacks, and now it just it looks so down in the dumps at the moment. They may have hired the wrong coach. It it obviously at this point it's already baked in. It feels like they traded for the wrong quarterback. And I'm just very intrigued Danny by how this, I know the ownership has changed by how this once proud franchise tries to dig themselves out of this mess. Like it is is it as simple as they lose enough games and just take a top quarterback in 2024? I mean, I think that I yeah, I, I think they're going to be a seller. Like, but they, you know, yeah, they, they're already cutting players, releasing guys they signed in the off season. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I think that they are clearly in the tank, and you know, Judy will be traded. We'll see what they do with Sutton. Yep. I, they're you know, it's open business on anybody on that defense right now. And then I think Danny, it's inevitable. Like they're going to start to become questions in the, in the next couple of weeks. At what point do they pull? what the Raiders did with Derek Carr and they just move on to Stidham at quarterback because of the risk 
of guaranteeing Russell Wilson's contract in 2024 if he got hurt. Or I think it might be beyond that. But the point is, if he got it's hurt, there's a risk. Of- I think I think it's it's I think it's beyond that, man. I think yeah, he's I think- locked in for next year. Yeah, I think it's 2020. I think there's more money that gets guaranteed if he somehow got hurt enough to where he didn't pass a physical. And that's what they'll want to avoid at some point soon here, given the record of this football team. Yeah, but it feels like Drake May is going to be a Bronco. I could see that. That That's what it feels like to me. All right. Um, you'll be back after uh, Dolphins-Eagles? I'm excited. All right. I'm up. Uh, thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Tell a friend. Mike Meltzer in for Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Thank you. Subscribe. Watch us on YouTube. First and pot. Peace.